What you are about to hear is a labor of love. Our love is for the music, and the music is for the people. We at Rockstrikes 10 and cnjradio.com have always recommended that any music we promote on our shows be legally purchased, downloaded, and or streamed. We feel this way not only for our network of shows, but for all music-based shows. By supporting the artist in this way, more music can be created and the industry as a whole can prosper. The music is owned by their respective labels, or hopefully by the artists themselves. This broadcast is owned by cnjradio.com. Our only mission is to promote the music we love and promote the legal purchase of it. Enjoy the show and turn it up. Welcome to Rock Welcome to Rock Strikes 10, the show guaranteed to always give you 10 songs, no more, no less. My name is Joey. I want to thank everybody for tuning into the show here today, especially if you're doing it at the central station of cnjradio.com. All right, it's now time for part seven of eight of our top albums of 1992 countdown. Yes, we are into the top 20 now with this episode I'm excited. Aren't you excited out there? It is Christmas time if you're listening to this as it comes out. So yeah, let's finish up a countdown here and celebrate the holidays properly, however you celebrate them. Coming in at number 20 right here is a band that did really well on last year's 1991 countdown, a band that I'm kind of new to from the last few years and really enjoying them. Cool power pop band out of Chicago called Material Issue. Their sophomore album right here, Destination Universe, once again, did not let me down. Debut is great. This one is great. Looking forward to checking out their third album, which will be out in a couple of years on this timeline. But this album right here, Destination Universe, if you are a fan of power pop or even like kind of a poppier punk, I think you will really dig material issue overall and definitely should be checking out this record right here. And in an interesting twist, this band, saving the best for last, in my opinion, my absolute favorite song on this record is the very last song, which I'm going to use to kick off the show in this instance. So check it out. This is Material Issue with If Ever You Should Fall. You found the big time you named it love. 
All right, kicking off the show today in fine fashion with some nice upbeat rock and roll from Material Issue that was If Ever You Should Fall. And yes, as far as I can tell, at least at this point, I could say with ease, go check out their first two records. You will massively enjoy them. Moving over here, something not so catchy, but it delivers in its intensiveness and just pure rock fury, uh, to turn a phrase. But yes, coming in at number 19 right here is the third album by Rollins Band, their album, The End of Silence. This thing is a mother. It's probably the best overall Henry Rollins slash Rollins Band record, in my opinion it is. Uh, I could argue a few other ones, but if I was going to put one of his albums, musically, one of his albums in somebody's hand, it would be this one right here. This album came out on February 25th of 1992, produced by Andy Wallace. There's that name again. If you got a heavy-ass record, you want Andy Wallace's name on your record for sure. And you definitely want him turning some knobs for you. So yes, Into Silence, Rollins Band, it's heavy, it's awesome. I was tempted to go with Low Self-Opinion. Of course, that's probably the most well-known song off of it, but... I was kind of going through the record, and man, there's some long songs on here. Like the second half of the album, it's just like a jam. But getting into that, I'm going to meet everybody halfway here with a sort of long song, but I think it's great. So, to represent the end of silence, this is Rollins Band with You Didn't Need.
Rollins Band right there with You Didn't Need from the End of Silence. Just awesome, in-your-face rock and roll. Love it. Okay. Sticking with the rock and roll, but in sort of a different approach. Definitely in a different approach. Is this one right here. This is definitely what I call the debut with a bullet on this countdown. And not that I had a previous 1992 countdown, but... It is the highest ranking album on this countdown for an album that I had no knowledge of prior to doing these episodes. So did a little digging, read a few different articles and Googled them and stuff like that. Tried to figure out a little bit about this band. So this band is an offshoot of a band that I'm familiar with, but I'm not musically familiar with them. So there was a band called Felt from England. And this band that became an offshoot of Felt, led by a member of this band, Lawrence Hayward. It's this band called Denim. And the thing that caught my eye, and I'll be honest, when I saw this on a list of albums that had come out, and I think I saw it on one of the critics' lists or something like that, saw the album cover, saw the band name, and the title of the album resonated familiar with me because I was like, oh, hey, I wonder if that's where Terro Negro got the name of their song from this record. But it turns out they actually had covered the title track from this record. So the band is called Denim. The album is called Back in Denim. And you just, even, hey, even if you just go basic and go on the Wikipedia for this album, it's really weird. Some of it seems like it was put out there as fake hype because it sounds like the recording was troublesome. And maybe it was. I don't know. I wasn't there. But it almost reads like, hey, we're going to put some extra intrigue on this record to give it some buzz. It's kind of a loose conceptual album in a sense. It's a tribute mostly to the 70s. There's even some 70s music, not sampled, but replayed and just under enough of the song to not get sued. And so I appreciate things like that when you can throw those things in on the sly and get away with it. There's even a great section in the song Middle of the Road where they go into that song Chirpy Chirpy Cheep Cheep, which I offhand I can't remember the name of the band, but that's a fun song. It's it's a great Abilite song. But anyway, yes, paying tribute to the entirety of the 70s, whether we're talking about glam rock, glitter rock, pop, and there's even a whole song that talks about the Osmonds. <laughs> you gotta hear this record. It's awesome. It's it's super cheap, super low budget, so you have to go into it with that frame of mind. But just listening to the lyrics and how just... Uh, they're comical lyrics, and I don't know if this guy was being true in his writing or if he was doing a bit. I still don't know. There's a lot of mystery surrounding it. But I had a lot of fun with this record, so I think it's a record you should definitely give a chance to. You can stream it on Spotify. That's obviously the way to go at this point in this day and age. I'm going to be tracking down a physical of this, uh, but and they blew it. There's no 30th anniversary release that I could tell, but if there is, I'll be owning it by the time the ball drops on this year. But yes, can't say enough nice things about how much I enjoyed this fun little record called Back in Denim by Denim. And can I say Denim a little bit more? Well, you're going to hear it a lot more because I am going to play that said title track because this is the song that got me into it, and it is the opening track on this record. So check this one out. This is Back in Denim.
According to the what I call the wiki window that I like to use for these particular countdowns, and by the way, I did fail to mention that album was released on November 11th of 1992, co-produced by John Leckie and Brian O'Shaughnessy. That was Denim, with the song Back in Denim from the album of the same name. But yeah, like I said, just go read the wiki article on this record. And the fact that the bubble has it as being recorded in Abbey Road... <laughs> So there's no way this thing was done on a four track. There's, there's just no way it's definitely on an indie budget. I just don't see it being recorded at Abbey Road, but who knows? Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it was at least mixed there. So yeah, I'll, I'll be reading some more articles about this album because I am completely fascinated at this point and just go listen to that whole record. It's, it's a blast vocally. I guess he sounds like Lou Reed, but it's like if Lou Reed actually wrote memorable and catchy songs my opinion. Okay, album number 17 right here. Bit of a nostalgia kick for this one, but I'm still definitely a decent fan of a lot of this band's initial albums. I guess about the first 15 years of this band's history, and they're still kicking around to this day for sure. Yes, Dream Theater, and just full disclosure, yes, I was in band in high school. So yes, being in band in high school in the 90s, you definitely knew about Dream Theater. Add to the fact that I was in Drumline also, and how could you not be into Dream Theater? Come on. What are we pretending to not know here? I mean, of course, we listened to all the basic food groups at the time, which was basically Rush and Metallica and Zeppelin. And that was about it for Drumline. The fourth on that Mount Rushmore at this point in time was Dream Theater. And so, yes, the initial perception is exactly what I'm sure they wanted it to be. They were basically the Rush of the 90s. 
You could argue that Rush was the Rush of the 90s, but you know what I'm trying to say here. These guys are fans of these kind of bands, and they made their own band. They did very well for themselves. This is actually their sophomore record. There's another sophomore record for this countdown. A lot of people think that it was their first album because it was the first album that anybody really noticed. They put out an album before that, but it didn't do much of anything. But this one was a step up in songwriting and production. This album right here, Images and Words, came out on July 7th of 92, produced by David Prater, and kind of in a decent rush parallel. They had replaced their lead singer from the previous album with this guy James Labrie, so sort of like what Rush, Neil Peart, is not on their first album, but on the second album he joins the band. So once they put the last piece of the puzzle together, then it was off to the races. It is about an hour long and eight songs total, it kicks off with their most well-known song, Easily, Pull Me Under, which I still like, Pull Me Under. And that's one of those things, like, the hardcore fans of this band, like, hate the radio slash MTV edit of this because it's, like, half the time. If there is a butcher job for a single edit, it is definitely that song. That song was not meant to be any less than, like, eight and a half minutes or whatever it is. But... I do appreciate the fact that years later they put out a double disc best of. I think it had like 20 songs on it, so I may get the title wrong here, but it was something to the effect of Greatest Hit and 19 other really cool songs. <laughs> and the album cover's got like a seagull that, that shits on a chair <laughs> in the middle of the beach, something like that. I appreciate that kind of sense of humor and that kind of self-awareness. But this album actually leads into what would become, I think, their best overall album. But it actually starts here on this record with this song I'm going to play for you. I'm going to play you one of the four epics. And I count epics as being eight minutes or more. So going with this one right here, this one would lead to the epic part two, which was its own album at the dawn of the millennium. But it starts right here with Metropolis part one.
Coming in at number 17 on the top 80 albums of 1992 countdown, that was Dream Theater from the Images and Words record, and that was Metropolis Part 1, The Miracle and The Sleeper. All right. Moving on to something completely different here for album number 16, uh, an album that I didn't get into and probably till about, I guess, 10 years after the fact. So sometime around the early 2000s, I got into this record. And I've only become a bigger fan of Bob Mould as time has gone on. That guy can write a tune. He makes excellent records for the most part. Most records that I've heard from him I've enjoyed quite immensely. This one being no exception, obviously. It does very well in this countdown. So Bob, after Husker Du, put together this band, Sugar. They put out their debut album on September 4th of 1992 called Copper Blue. And the album was produced by Bob and Lou Giordano. And this is definitely one of those cases. You're not going to run into this a whole lot on the countdown. But this is definitely a case of myself and the critics and the hipsters getting along to praise this album for sure. Sad they only did two records. And they have like some B-sides out, a live album and stuff like that. But yeah, track this one down. It's still out and about. Copper Blue by Sugar. It's awesome. And I think this song right here was one of the singles that was released off of it. I'm pretty sure about that because it's super catchy. So I'll look into that. But you're going to enjoy it right here. This is Sugar. The song is called Helpless. Change your mind I keep it in my mind 
Okay, coming at number 16 right there, Sugar from the album Copper Blue, and that was Helpless. Great, great stuff. I mean, this whole top 20 rules, in my opinion. I hope you check out all these records. I know Sir Chris Riley out there is definitely checking out all those records, and I appreciate you, sir. Everybody else out there, act accordingly. Okay, getting into album number 15. We've cracked the top 15 with this one right here. Don't have a release date on this in front of me for some reason, but this album was produced by a guy named Tony Platt. It was this band's fifth studio album. And if this had been the album where they first started stretching out their creative arms, then I think the Metallica comparisons would really be rolling in. But this band was doing that long before the Black album. So they get a massive pass. Plus, the fact that they were able to dodge that kind of comparison bullet and also being from San Francisco like Metallica, I have always respected this band for doing their own thing and to this day still doing it better than most metal bands out there. So massively getting back into the heavy metal right here with the great Testament and their fifth album, The Ritual. Always liked The Ritual ever since it came out. Z-Rock used to play Return to Serenity all the time. Heard Electric Crown quite a bit on there as well. I was definitely just going to be like, yeah, I'm playing Return to Serenity. This is going to be the song I use to represent this album. But something really hit me good on this go-around, so I'm going to go with it. Obviously a heavier song. I mean, anything's heavier than Return to Serenity. But an uncompromising ballad. A very good neo-ballad, if you will. I think the non-hair metal ballads are called neo-ballads on a technical basis. So there you have it. But check this one out right here from The Ritual. This is Deadline.
Testament right there with Deadline from the album The Ritual, the number 15 album here on the countdown. Much like a lot of other bands around this time, unfortunately, this album would see kind of the end of an era for the band. I know this was Louis Clemente's last record, and I remember reading this still really well. Alex Skolnick, of course, lead guitar player, great Alex Skolnick, quit the band like sometime during the tour. So they had to get somebody else really quick. And that's got to be a hard replacement to make for sure. But eventually all would be well and Alex would be back in the band, which is great. Still playing out there to this day once again. Go see him if you've never seen him. They kick all the ass. And another band that kicks all the ass live is this band that comes in here at number 14. And this album, I didn't really pay a whole lot of mind to, even though I was already a fan of this band. It's just one of those albums I never really picked up again after its initial run. But much like a lot of their catalog, it's aged really well. So it does pretty well here on this countdown. This band's fourth album came out on March 10th of 1992. Produced by Sam Taylor. Talking about the self-titled album by King's X. I think a lot of the reason that I was down on this record initially is... I just have never been a fan of that Black Flag single. I I just think it's a weak song in their catalog. Just don't like it. I I never will. So it just doesn't, I don't know, it just doesn't have that thing. But the rest of the album is quite good, actually. So that's why it does so well here on the countdown. Like this song right here really boosts up the record. I'm going to play this one for you. I think you'll enjoy it. This one's called Chariot Song.
Coming in at number 14, the self-titled record by King's X. That song was called The Chariot Song. Great stuff, of course, as always, from King's X. And by the way, for you vinyl people, if you go track down the vinyl reissue of that record, you will notice that somewhere in the middle of the album, they just throw in the Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey song. So Junior's Gone Wild is also on the vinyl version of this, in case you were curious. All right, number 13 right here. This is by far the most experimental album by this band, but I do love it. I, I love this band. I love, apparently I love all aspects of this band. So this record came out on June 30th of 1992. It was this band's sixth full-length studio album. I'm talking about suicidal tendencies in their album, The Art of Rebellion. If you've even just heard the singles off of this record, you will know that it's a big stretch in a few different directions they're getting into like psychedelia just basically stuff that sounds slicker and with peter collins producing this album i mean i know that guy pretty well so i can name off the top of my head that guy he did a lot of rush records in the 80s and 90s but he also produced like operation mind crime by queensreich and empire and he did hey stupid one of my favorite alice records so this guy has an ear for big sounding rock albums and i i just wonder i gotta think that the reason why he produced the album is because of the fact that on the previous tour here for suicidal for lights came a revolution they actually did a lot of shows opening up for Queensryche. so i'm assuming that's how it went down it's, it'd be a weird coincidence if it didn't like to be like hey your records sound good who produced that record so i'm assuming that's how it happened also the fact that they were on Epic, and I know that Peter Collins did a lot of production for Epic Records, so just theorizing here, but I gotta think there's some truth in some of that. But yes, once again, I do love me some Art of Rebellion. Listened to this one quite a bit when it was out, and also after the fact. Uh, another fun fact, speaking of some of my favorite things, one of my all-time favorite drummers, Josh Freeze, actually plays all the drums on this record, because they had not hired permanent drummer yet but i do know by the time they went out on the road and i believe they're opening for megadeth on this go round, but they brought in jimmy degrasso so speaking of alice cooper is another alice alum but yeah there's a little bit of the background and history just off the top of my head on the art of rebellion by suicidal tendencies i definitely do recommend listening to this record of course it's high enough on the list for sure to get that recommendation but yeah you hear songs like asleep at the wheel and nobody hears you're like wow those guys are a long ways away from two-sided politics and I shot the devil. But it's still cool, man. So I'm going to actually go with a little more grounded of a song off this record. There's, of course, a lot of vintage-sounding suicidal tendencies to keep the hardcore fan base at bay. Like this one right here. This is We Call This Mother Revenge. <laughs>
Number 13 right there, that was Suicidal Tendencies representing the art of rebellion with the song We Call This Mother Revenge. I think another reason I like that song so much, I think it definitely works as a sequel song to the previous album, one of my favorite songs on Lights, Camera, Revolution being Disco's Out, Murder's In. Really like that song as well, and it reminds me of that. So there you have it. So coming in at number 12 here is a, a band that I was definitely late to the party on. At least I had some awareness of this band, so it's not like Denim where it just kind of came out of nowhere. But 
after listening to the debut album by this band, it's definitely one of those, I'm going to track down everything I possibly can physically of theirs, because it's a band on and off. I've heard a few songs here and there, and like good quality, crazy hard rock fans will tell you all day how great this band is. And they're right. Because the debut album by this band, Manic Street Preachers, came out on February 10th, 1992. This album was produced by a guy named Steve Brown. And apparently the Bomb Squad, yes, that Bomb Squad, the ones from Public Enemy, they get a credit on one of the tracks on this record. A song called Repeat, Stars and Stripes. And, of course, Manic Street Preachers, you'll kind of see them even in a lot of non-rock-related videos online just due to the fact that the main songwriter, Richie Edwards, uh, disappeared off the face of the planet three years after this album was released. There's still no word on whether or not he just faked his own death, really killed himself. No one knows. It's crazy. You go on a huge deep dive on this online, but only if you're into going on those kind of manhunts. But it doesn't take away from how great this music is. Uh, for a guy that's big, huge Wild Hearts fan, it's like, how did I not get on this band a lot sooner like I had with the Wild Hearts? So you're going to get a lot of those vibes for sure. And I'm, I'm pretty sure when I reviewed this album, I was doing the U.S. track listing. So for my friends over the pond, I don't know if the points would still reflect the same, but it might just be a matter of fact of just switching the songs around, which is annoying, but it happens. This is the one that stuck out, and... I just kept singing it over and over again, even though it's it's catchy, but the title is not catchy, but it still works for some reason. So I don't understand how it works, but I do love it. So to represent the debut album here by Manic Street Preachers called Generation Terrorists, this is Nat West Barclays Midlands Lloyds.
All right, that was NatWest Barclays Midlands Lloyds from Manic Street Preachers from their debut album, Generation Terrorists. Go seek that record out if you're any kind of rock fan. I would assume you are if you're listening to this show, so please act accordingly. So, last album on this particular episode, coming in at number 11, and I damn sure thought this was going to make the top 10, if not the top 5. doesn't make it any less great of an album, but I'm just surprised by it. And we've had a lot of sophomore records here on this countdown, it seems. I guess because a lot of bands maybe waited to put their first album out, like in 1990, for instance. Just so they could be on the cusp of, hey, we're a new 90s band. This could be another band like that, I'm not sure. But I can say with confidence, this is one of the best sophomore albums of all time, for sure. So this album came out on May 12th of 1992. Produced by George Draculius, who I, I bought a hot dog off of that guy once. Uh, but anyway, this album right here, Black Crows, The Southern Harmony and Musical Companion. It is damn near perfect, top to bottom. It is definitely the album you should put in anybody's hands if they want to get into the Black Crows, besides like a best of, of course. This is the studio album to go for. And I guess another instance where I agree with the critics. Uh, critics seem to like this one. They still kind of like not going all in with the band but there's enough praise for it out there you'll find it maybe even after the fact honestly but it's just a cool ass record man i've bought it a ton of times i think i've bought it on cd twice i think i've even bought it on vinyl twice honestly never had the tape though for some reason i don't know anyway but yeah i won't tell my sometime salvation story again uh, because uh i've told that a few times on the show but i was probably gonna go with that song but this is also my other favorite song on the record, so I'll go with this one for right now. It's a coin toss, really, isn't it? So, from Southern Harmony and Musical Companion, this is The Black Crows, which sounds like a one-take, and that's how great they are at this point. And this is Bad Luck, Blue Eyes. Goodbye. B&B with a little weed.
still get that chill every time listening to that track especially but a lot of the songs on this record do that so yeah that was bad luck blue eyes goodbye from the southern harmony a musical companion and once again talking about george Herculeus, if you feel like when you listen to that album on headphones or on a really good stereo if it sounds like you're in the room with the band it's probably because of george because that guy has the ultimate ear right there he's done a lot of albums that's associated with rick rubin most directly i think he did produce and i i say produce as far as the guy that sits at the board and also his engineering i think he did a lot of those johnny cash records with rubin but 
Most importantly for me, this is the guy that really produced Wildflowers by Tom Petty. So that's why you hear that particular studio ambiance on that track, which is a word I rarely use, but I feel like it's important enough to use it in this context. Okay, that's going to do it for this episode. And by God, the next time you hear my voice, we're going to be into the top 10 albums overall from the top 80 albums of 1992. I am very excited and just needing to get this episode out to you and the one after this and the one after that. But yes, it'll be nice because that means I can take a couple of days off for Christmas and get back into it. Yes, I will be wrapping up 2002 before the end of the year. It's going to happen. But until then, stay tuned for my better half, Nola, with the plugs, followed by the best damn outro song in all the podcasting business. Take it away, Nola. We would like to thank you for taking the time to listen to the show today. You can reach us on Facebook or Twitter. We love getting messages and always do our best to respond. Every time you share our show, we give our cats Ruby and Ripley a treat. We are on Twitter at RockStrikes10 and the direct email is RockStrikes10 at gmail.com. When you search for us, the number 10 is always spelled out. If you would like to support our show financially, we do have RockStrikes10 shirts for sale. For $20, we will ship you out a high quality, soft as heck, next level branded shirt and a button. Send us an email or direct message for more details or to order. Please help us spread the word about this show and all of our other quality shows by listening, liking, subscribing, and sharing. Our official website is cnjradio.com. You can visit this site for all episodes of Rock Strikes 10 going all the way back to episode number one. While you're on cnjradio.com, check out some of these other quality shows. The Wrestling House Show a pro wrestling podcast unlike any other. The Synaptic Empire Audio Transmissions, hosted by Randy Brown, a true alternative. The Last Theater, starring Chris, where cinema's trash is treated like treasure. And the I Am Vinyl podcast with Pete LaRussa and occasionally Joey. We also highly recommend that you check out our good friend Mark Striegel, who can now be heard exclusively on Sirius XM as part of Ozzy's Boneyard, and Hair Nation. Last, but certainly not least, we would like to give an extra special thanks to the great Pete LaRussa and the band Spacebeard for the best outro song in the business. Go to facebook.com slash spacebeardband to purchase their music and make sure to tell them that Rock Strikes 10 sent ya. We hope you tune into the next show. Until then, have fun. Post game show is brought to you by 
Christ, I can't find it. The hell with it.